This is the EPLOG audio experience. Quick disclaimer for a podcast, the SOS show, points discussed in this podcast should not be relied upon as conclusive medical advice in any case. The host shall not be a substitute for proper medical professional. You must seek professional help in case of any requirement. Thank you. Happy New Year, guys. So lovely to be back in the New Year's with yet another episode of the SOS show with me, Suchita. And guess what? I'm currently right now in an isolated room in an isolated city because we are under the weekend lockdown again. But not to fret too much uh, and destroy the New Year vibes. So I'm going to be feeling happy and I hope that you guys are going to feel happy too. So I came across this amazing book called Alone in the Crowd, which was written by Dr. Samir Parikh and Kamna Chibar. They have been on our podcast before. Check out those amazing, amazing episodes you cannot miss. And we are talking about a very important topic, urban loneliness, something that I have often uh, spoken about, something that I often think about, something that I have often felt myself. What are the reasons for these loneliness? Despite the fact that you are constantly talking to people, you are constantly on social media, you have your set of friends you have your set of uh, close ones but despite the fact there is this urban loneliness seeped inside a lot of people so dr samir park is an eminent psychiatrist working in the field of mental health over the past two decades and kamna chibar is a clinical psychologist and she has completed her mphil in clinical psychology and she also has done some eclectic work for the treatment of clinical and other related problems in children adolescents and adults enjoy the episode hi dr parik and kamna welcome again to our podcast the sos show and thank you for taking out time and sharing your amazing book alone in the crowd with us thank you thank you it's a pleasure being here Thank you, Suchita. So, being alone in the crowd, and I was sort of, you know, skimming through the pages, and I just said, this is such a go-to book whenever you know one needs it, and this is the right time to actually write this book because, of course, besides the pandemic, a lot, a lot has uh, flown by uh, in these two years, and I actually found myself uh, a lot relating to this book also because. specifically when you are living alone like i live alone in mumbai i found myself that yes this is something that you know i can actually pick up and read and you know come back to my senses so first thing i would like to ask both of you is that when we talk about loneliness and when we talk about urban loneliness how do i differentiate between one i want to be alone versus loneliness no i think one needs to understand this that i want to be by myself and that will happen mm. with the busy schedules that we have and sometimes we would want me time which is understandable mm. that's one thing which is something you're consciously doing as a balance to your life loneliness on the other hand is feeling isolated feeling that you don't have someone of your own and in this world you feel as though you are by yourself and when mm. we talk about urban loneliness and i think that's where the oxymoron is urban mm. cities largely are congested densely populated so how ironic it is yeah that in such heavy densely populated spaces 
individuals still experience loneliness and that's why the book alone in the crowd mm. i mean crowd has so many people yet individuals are by themselves at times and that aspect is the one that brings us to that feeling of loneliness which is why the book mm-hmm. just to, for for me as perhaps a listener or for our listeners how do we know are we aware that we are lonely i mean sometimes i think am i aware that am i lonely or am i just being do i understand the difference do am i able to gauge that fact that you know despite the fact that there's everything around me you know there is a a, a deep sense of loneliness more often than not i believe that people are constantly in a rush and in that entire process of running from one thing to the next a lot of times they also lose that sense of connectedness to what mm. is happening within them as a result even though there may be certain aspects of loneliness which would be pervading within them which would be impacting them they may not necessarily be able to point it out or yeah. hold on to that feeling there would be moments when they would either be slowing down or have points at which in which they would be reflecting on things introspecting about things when it would become very evident but more often than not what happens is that you get pulled into something else and so you forget about it and you think that you need to start moving forward in an even faster pace to try and reach some sort of a big goal for your own self and in that entire cycle of running from one thing to the next trying to achieve more do more you keep on missing out on the fact that actually what may be really affecting you is the fact that you're becoming more and more disconnected not just from the world around you or people around you but often also from your own self that is something that does end up happening with a lot of people absolutely dr parikh if you'd like to add something there no i think what kamla is saying is uh, spot on in a way and what we need to understand is that yes it is human that we'll have our ups and downs yes it is human that we may feel at times not understood it's also human that there may be times that we may choose to be by ourselves want some space at the same time when we don't invest into relationships into purposeful relationships meaningful relationships and when we are lost in the figures in the rush of life that's where this aspect of our loneliness starts trickling in even mm-hmm. though today we are talking very much in the covid era but the idea about the book was way before covid when a lot of young people would come and talk to us i feel all by myself i feel alone don't have a connect i'm so busy i don't have me time i don't have family time and that's where we thought let's write about this let's explore this thought and see what we can do collectively and individually so yes mm-hmm. loneliness is something that we may experience but yes both as individuals and as a community we can take steps to ensure that nobody feels alone in the crowd when we talk about relationships dr parikh and kamna 
when you mentioned about relationships and it's so surprising that now in a hyper-connected world where we are all over the place, not just in social media, now, even now when people have taken holidays to get away with their families, relationships are becoming complicated by the day. And I think we spoke a bit of that in the earlier podcast with Kamna as well. They're becoming transactional, as you've mentioned. So how complicated do you think this is going to get as we move forward? Because if we talk about relationships with constant sort of, uh, you know, when we talk about personal relationships like with your parents or friends or even professional relationships, if everything is becoming transactional, where are we really heading towards in terms of building and developing relationships? I think that if we try and look at it, um, it's important to first try and pinpoint where is this or why is this happening? Hmm. One of the biggest aspects is that the me is something which has become far more prominent. The we, which was characteristic of a society since ages, is probably taking a backseat. The more the me keeps on coming to the forefront, the investment in the relationships that you require can often take a backseat. The transactional nature of the relationships happens because somewhere an individual starts feeling that I am doing more. I am contributing more. Mm. The other is not doing enough. When you're looking at it from that perspective and you're comparing and contrasting, you're losing the essence of what a relationship needs to be. Relationships are about giving. They're about doing because that relationship is important. It holds meaning for you. It holds value for you. You invest in it because of that meaning, not because of what you think it will give you in the long run or even in the short term. And that transition which is happening in society, and it's happening in a very insidious format, we don't even mm-hmm. realize it. Yeah, It's constantly creating that gap and it's contributing towards that disconnect from the people around us. So while we may have people who are surrounded by lots of people on their social media, would they really truly know them? Would they really truly be interacting with them? Are the engagements that are the engagements that are happening in the personal setting really happening because you just want to be there with that person? Or is it happening because you're seeking something from that person? So that selfless aspect of relationships, which would allow us to create truly meaningful support systems, somewhere has taken a backseat. And that's what needs to start getting reinforced yet again, because during this pandemic, we actually saw that it was the selflessness of individuals when they came together to support each other. That's what allowed a lot of people to be able to overcome the big adversity that was facing them. Unknown people, people who you had no contact with ever, who you just had no clue existed in this universe, were able to come together to support people in their biggest time of need. And that's what you need around you. But do you feel that this is happening right now, the uh, the transactional nature of the relationships? Or do you think it was always there? We have started realizing this now. No, I don't think so. I think... um... To say that relationships have always been transactional 
again it's a way we look at it though but i i don't see it like that i think somewhere the way our lifestyles changed mm. where the time we had for our own selves and our family and near and dear ones became lesser and lesser in some of these transitions that took place uh, long long back and continued to happen and then the digital era arrived a lot of communication from in person became digitalized a lot of words and language and feelings became substituted by emoticons emojis mm. then the entire aspect of uh, social media and the positives and negatives about it yeah but the aspects of social media were sometimes the pressure of conformity hmm sometimes losing the sense of true self over a sense of portrayed or digital self so much was happening and somewhere the investment into self the investment into significant others and relationships that started losing the kind of depth and meaning that was there hmm so if you look let's say 3 4 decades back an average teenager would had a few hours of school some hours of studies neighborhood friends cousins for vacation family and extended family school friends and some of us would still say that some of our closest friends continue to be hmm our school friends and alumni continue to be of schools we one of the strongest supports for people especially during the pandemic we saw how alumni across schools hmm. um, were helping each other out because these were the relationships where we had the time to invest we found that meaning the joy the togetherness not something that this is what i'm giving so i'm getting it it was givers without the need for anyone to be seen as a taker and from hmm. there because how our time spending changed more and more hours at work the transactional component of work reward recognition remuneration some of these aspects actually made an impact which is what then translated into our relationships and then the digital interface where the digitalization of relationships the portrayal component again had its own chipping effect on the core or soul of the relationships per se and that's what has happened and mm-hmm. when i say this it's more about us understanding this we don't need to say digital is bad times are not good people have changed this has happened that has happened no you understand that you understand that so much changed in our environment that in our attempt to adapt to it somewhere some meanings were lost a lot of these meanings were refound in a way during covid family bonds cousins extended family alumni friends neighbors colleagues and the realization that beyond followers and likes and views there was something a lot more meaningful always there but we kind of got distracted from it 
So to find that sense of our togetherness, which brings support, joy, we just need to understand that it's all about prioritizing, all about putting the effort in the right direction. It's a little bit of a slight little change that is required by acceptance, willingness, sense of intent, and then the purpose of relationships and uh, the spontaneity of togetherness would be experienced by people in a very, very positive and joyful manner. Mm -hmm. But also the fact that you also mention in the book about the social media and when it comes to social media, like I was just talking to a cousin of mine today and he said that there has been a constant comparison of his with other cousins. So, you know, the social media bringing in the aspect of comparisons, which again can re result to resentments, it can result to, to the politics increase within the family also, you know, in terms of our professional relationships. What can we possibly do about that? Because we are so neck deep into it. See, I think uh, my take on this is that social media, focus on the word social. What is being social? It's being connected. Hmm. You are trying to stay connected to people who matter to you. So if you use social media for connectedness, you are utilizing it. Social media for knowledge and knowledge sharing. So in COVID times, you had fake faulty information available and correct information also available, which could be utilized. Now your ability to filter this to ensure that you can utilize it. Similarly, social media for a purpose, which is a social purpose. Advocacy for that matter. Talking about things, rights, dignity, so many aspects of our life, our social life. That's what makes social media what it is. Social media, but also comes on the other side with the pressure of conformity, with the pressure of peers, with the pressure of, especially for young people, about looks, body image. It also comes with its own share of trolls. It comes with bullying, transgressions, boundary crossing. Now we need to look within ourselves what direction do we want social media to go? On one side, you get all the positives and benefits. And on the other side, there is a negative experience. If we are on the other side of it, where the negative experiences are more, or we lose our sense of self in trying to be somebody else, we will experience more loneliness. Because if you are not who you are, how would you have any other meaningful experience? Hmm. But if you are on the other side, where you are utilizing social media for connectedness, positivity, social purposes, then that social media will actually add on to the quality of life. That's the way to look at social media. Yeah. So primarily the mindset with which you approach social media will determine how you're feeling in life. It could be extreme loneliness. It, it can also be a good connectedness. Yes, absolutely. I think it's about how do you look at social media and mm. are you going to become an extension of the gadgets and the content that you're consuming or are you going to be the driver of what content you're consuming? It's about how are you going to be involved with the kind of engagement that you are uh, having with 
media with gadgets it's a choice that you need to make and we need to become more effective with those choices we have to find a way to be able to understand that sometimes disconnecting from those gadgets from that social media may actually be a way forward in connecting to life in reality and it may be an important aspect that we all need to focus on to try and create a more wholesome life one which is not just about what's going on on my different social media platforms how many likes am i getting how many comments am i getting who is doing what it needs to go beyond that and that is something which needs to be reinforced highlighted and that's in particular context for young people because yeah. they end up having the maximum impact of some of these things because they don't necessarily have the skills or the understanding that they would need to raise these questions in their mind to be able to ensure that they have good healthy lives yeah and also the fact of you know they have been uh, in recent times uh, major uh, you know uh, death by suicides in terms of uh social media young influencers as we call them in their early teens so that have sort of seriously impacted the point you just made the likes and the comments and the trolling has seriously impacted their lives because they don't understand or don't have the perception for it but i don't know what can we possibly do about it because we are so neck deep into it you've also mentioned uh in the book uh, dr parikan kamna about the trust factor how the trust factor is you know uh in our daily lives is somewhere we're becoming wary of each other that's also perhaps is leading to loneliness uh because you don't know who to talk to and you know and also that perhaps could be the reason that people are bending more towards spirituality two aspects uh i think it's important to split what you said in two parts hmm I talk about suicide prevention first and I think it's very important for us to understand that suicide prevention has various components to it. Mm-hmm. Acceptance, awareness of mental health concerns, accessibility to help, helplines, mental health curriculums, psychological first aid, life skills in schools, mental health outcomes in the working community role of rwa families in connectedness identifying people who are struggling social financial emotional security and ensuring that help reaches in time whether the help is in form of treatment for an illness or whether it is in the name of in the nature of social economic help support system so on and so forth and all of this put together in a more in a well defined suicide prevention policy and then all stakeholders which is every individual in the society being a part of it that's as far as how to approach suicide prevention and we should always remember suicide prevention which basically means if we work together and work well preventable that's why suicide prevention influencers i have always uh, found the word influencer a bit of a difficult uh, thing to appreciate the fact that we are calling an individual an influencer is almost saying that i will be or i shall be influenced by this person 
what this person says or does has a direct impact on my decision making. The moment we start putting anybody at that level, we are losing our own sense of individuality and we are not trusting our own decision making and we are letting somebody else who may be present in the social milieu, especially social media, in a certain manner, may come with followers, may have content that appeals, but still influencer is a question that one needs to ask one's own self. At the same time, if an individual is able to understand that they are able to influence people or people who are listening to them are taking their views and are likely to value that individual's views, then that influencer needs to become very responsible. It's a very responsible thing to do to realize that if I say something and if somebody is going to take it at face value, am I ensuring the right information, dignity, sensitivity? Am I staying away from stigmatization, discrimination? Am I instilling a sense of hope and positivity? That aspect also needs to be looked at. So both sides. And that's the way to look at this um, this aspect of influences and social media. And and what about uh, the the factor of you know we have no one to trust. So maybe perhaps that's a reason there's no one to guide us. Maybe that's the reason we are moving towards the influencers who we feel we can trust or the spirituality. What can we possibly uh, you know do about this? How do we learn to trust ourselves and the people around us? No, I think one needs to understand this. To say that we don't trust people is not true. I don't think we are giving value to our relationships and people around us. There may be people who come around, whom we meet, whom we come across, who may not have had the best interests in mind when it came to our interests or came with their own agendas. Yes, this is life. We meet all kinds of people. But to say that there isn't trust, I don't think so. I think right from early years, a child starts life by trusting. You take your first step by holding somebody's hand. You drive your first car with somebody sitting next to you. You do whatever you do in your life. Every time you've done something, you've tried something, you've taken a step, you've had somebody out there. Trust is something that very much comes naturally to us. Now, it's about ensuring that the trust is not breached. And therein lies that component of togetherness of a relationship. It is the commitment of two people is how trust is built. At the same time, if A felt that B broke barriers of trust, that does not mean C, D, E and F would also do the same. So we shouldn't allow an experience to define life. But it's also up to us to ensure that we instill 
that component of trust in relationships by investing in them. Hmm. Hmm. So we shouldn't allow an experience to define our life and invest in relationships. Just a couple of pointers, you know, in terms of the solution, I'll come later in terms of investing in relationships. But before that, the problems, uh, you know, as also mentioned in terms of the busyness of life that is leading to people being constantly busy, the to-do list does not get over. And of course, that leads to a lot of erratic sleep what can we possibly do about this? The to-do list has become like a productivity list, which everybody is like, you know, constantly using now. I let Kamala answer it, but I'll just tell you one little bit. I don't have a to-do list. I'm 50 plus, never had one. There is meaning in life. There is a purpose. There is so much to do. Hmm. And if you are balancing it, and if you have your priority on track, you do not need to jot it down and say, I need to finish this much. I need to, it's like, uh, finish this chapter, no, finish two chapters, do this, do that. That's not life. It's not a mathematics. It's not a uh, tick in the box. Life is fluid. You may plan what we want to do tomorrow and invariably something may happen <clears throat> that may completely take away your time from what you were trying to do. So I've never yeah. had to do lists. So that's why I learned the <laughs> But I have a, Kamla, I have a long to-do list that never gets over. So stop making them. And I can guarantee you, you'll get more out of your life. I'm sure the listeners are going to, how is that possible? Because that's how we have been sort of trained to make those lists. Kamla? But that's the whole uh, conundrum, right? We've been yeah. trained to make those lists. And do we yeah. really want to always be following the herd mentality? I mm -hmm. think that's the choice that we need to start making. It's time to do things differently. Because our age old or the current ways of doing things are certainly not working for us. The lists tend to dictate how we are allocating time instead of us being able to raise that question about what really holds meaning, what is going to give me joy. Is it really important? We have stopped raising these questions. We just keep on looking at things which are there on that list and we want to just keep on you know, ticking them off the list. We don't even ask, is it really important? Is it really a priority? Does it actually require me to attend to it? And what about the boundaries? Sometimes we have to learn to say a no. And we hesitate to say a no. Because we believe that if we start saying a no, somewhere it is going to lead to some catastrophic outcome, which is of our own imagining. And we don't even try it out. So we are being fed these narratives about how you have to keep on pushing and doing more and more and more and there is no way that you can stop and which is actually not the truth you have to have goals you need to have priorities you need to work towards them but you also need to take a reflective approach where you are evaluating about how much do you need to keep pushing where is it that you need to take a break and that too needs to become an integral aspect of the ways in which we are planning things. The list, the to-do list probably needs to start incorporating even breaks into it because that's also an important thing. But that's not necessarily going to be the best way to live our lives. We were not supposed to live lives in this kind of a regimented manner. We have to have more fluidity associated with the way we are doing things. And that can only come if we learn to take a somewhat more relaxed approach and we start really addressing the anxieties and worries that we have at the back of our mind, which push us to compare, to compete, and to keep feeling that there is 
something which needs to be achieved or attended to at all times that's not necessarily the reality so raise questions create boundaries make sure that you're taking breaks enjoy the things that you're doing these are the four most essential aspects which we really need to start shifting our attention towards and you don't need to make a list about i need to water the plants or i need to drink <laughs> water or i need to listen to music or i need to go read or i need to go to work you do it mm it basically means you know what you are going to do i can understand if there is something really really important and you want to prepare yourself and you have something on your mind and you want to use that as a <clears throat> reminder of sorts but having a daily to do list if yeah. you probably waste more time making a list than and then more time in thinking that why did i not complete the list and then thinking what can i do if and so much time would be wasted we'll probably listen to a couple of songs so i think i think is yeah yeah i think it's got so ingrained in us that you know that we've just got caught up into it also all these to do lists have actually taken away the time where we can perhaps meet a friend and have a cup of coffee or chai with them you know so i think that fun aspect that you're talking about in the book you know daily fun aspect that we need to inculcate as well uh to break away from the daily regime is something sort of we really need to look into how, how can we add fun in the little things that we do by enjoying them hmm. by being in the moment let's say <clears throat> we like listen to songs but if you're also going to listen to a song while you are doing some work or while you're talking to someone it's like having playing two television sets at the same time and watching two different shows you won't be able to understand or enjoy either one of them yeah so you need to find that time in that moment in that here and now we all do multitasking because we have multiple things to do and multiple roles but that doesn't mean that you need to do it at that moment i am recording this show with you so my cell phone is off how would we have recorded a podcast if i was also simultaneously having a phone that's ringing or simultaneously listening to television or listening to music or having some chat with somebody and while waiting for you to answer while i'm gone and doing something else and coming back it's not possible so if you give yourself the time to experience what you are doing the joyfulness of moments that will happen also mm. but again we are sort of getting so attuned to it even my friends right now who are on holiday they're constantly checking on the work and the business when actually they should actually totally disconnect it is just checking on just the business <laughs> checking on the business and mails is one part and the other would be rather than looking at the lovely sunset taking mm. a selfie and looking at your own self and clicking a picture and sharing with the world that you were at a sunset which you never saw <laughs> no wonder you didn't enjoy the vacation because you were more focused upon what post to put that too yes that's again very important you know constantly sharing but but it's so difficult to like just snap off everybody is becoming so used to it the billion people constantly sharing sharing and portraying are two different things hmm we need to learn to understand the difference between the two hmm 
So if you are portraying something or if you are uh, informing people like news, yeah. that's a different thing. Sharing is more deeper. There is a bit of a meaning out there. Mm. Would you not rather be sharing that moment on a vacation with your family or friends with whom you've been and that stays in your mind or would you rather click a few pictures, make a few posts and show it to the world that this is what you were doing. By doing that, in that moment, you lost the enjoyment of that very moment. Mm. Yes. In, in, in older times, uh, mm. you know, when you had those uh, hard copy photographs, mm. think like that. So many memories. I remember my grandparents, my parents, mm. everybody's uh, those pictures. Even today, you know, a couple of generations of the family would see some of those pictures because there were memories out there. Mm. And those pictures were seen only by people to whom those pictures mattered. That's why those pictures continue to have a meaning. Yes. Not by followers whom you've not met. Must understand the difference between the two. Yeah. I think it's a brilliant point, informing and sharing and constantly when I go on Facebook or any other social media, Instagram, it's mainly like you're constantly informing about yourself, which means that you are so self you just want to put yourself in a certain way to the world. But that's so tiring and that's another reason why we are constantly getting isolated as well. Absolutely. Somewhere that sense of isolation is coming in because of the fact that we are constantly trying to portray this image, something that we believe is what is demanded of us. Whereas it's all about our own perceptions. Um, no doubt it's a difficult choice to make to say that um, I would not want to go ahead and be a part of that crowd which is constantly posting or making certain choices, but it's not impossible. And it's about doing it once. And when you start recognizing the benefits that it accrues you, it kind of reinforces in its own self the same approach. Prioritizing yourself, prioritizing what it is that allows you to be able to enjoy moments, to be able to fully immerse yourself in what is going on around you at that given point in time is what is crucial and critical. The reason why we are becoming somewhere disconnected from our own selves, from from our lives, from what's going on around us is that we are constantly trying to do multiple things at the same time. And that is not helping anyone. It's certainly leading to greater disconnectedness. And so it's important to start taking those calls, make those difficult choices, persist with them and keep implementing them again and again till you reach a point where there is greater comfort with it. And that comfort will come. There is no doubt about it. And which is why we always talk about um, something which is known as a digital detox. We need to learn how to switch off. We need to learn how to disengage. If you're on a vacation, like Dr. Parikh was saying, you need to learn to switch off from your gadgets and your work and everything and just focus on where you are in that moment and enjoy that moment. Mm -hmm. That is something which is very crucial. Again, we have in, we have invented the term FOMO. You know, <laughs> fear of missing out. We're not, you're not supposed to you're not supposed to miss out on anything. This is mainly a genuine. If you are missed out on something, you know, you are a lucky person. <laughs> yeah, that's a Gen Z millennial term. You know, the the FOMO term. 
but but of course all these things that you've mentioned in the book so uh, rightly you know all the things that point in the direction of leading to stress a certain image that we want to project the competitiveness that's constantly there uh, also there was a recent news uh, about this 30 year old uh, bangalore startup girl who suddenly di- died of cardiac arrest uh, a couple of days back and that was sent a shock wave through a lot of people in the ecosystem all this is happening but but somewhere i feel that can we possibly how can we control it we can can we do that uh, consciously what are the things a couple of points that we can uh, you know every day that we can do so we are connected with ourselves we are connected with the world but at the same time uh, we are not stressed we keep our sanity intact we will experience stress stress mm. is very much a part of our life we cannot have all days the same we cannot have all days as good we cannot have all attempts being successful if we will have our low output days we will aim for a few targets will miss out on some we'll have ups and downs in relationships that's life we need to figure a way to ensure mm-hmm. that good moments outnumber the not good moments that from every downer we learn so that we can reshape our own lives in a way that we reduce the chances of a downer that's the way you approach life and you build support systems so that both in your good or bad moments you have someone so that you don't feel alone understand this if you have a good moment a really good moment and you don't have somebody to share it with you won't enjoy it mm-hmm. similarly if you have a tough tough phase you will again need somebody as a support system yeah i would never be enough until lots of we come together and make it an us the moment us becomes a cohesive connected entity mm. individuals will not feel lonely yeah that's beautiful so empowering us getting more and more people connecting to more and more people uh, as they call attracting your tribe and you know staying connected to them kamna absolutely connecting to more people investing in your own self reflecting on what you really want moving proactively in that direction that is something which is going to be very crucial for all of us we need to reassess reevaluate bring in the changes right now is the time it's the right time to be able to actually engage in these processes because the pandemic in its own way is providing us the opportunity to be able to slow down and to be able to take stock of where we are at and what we are doing or have been doing all along so you can choose differently right now and so this is something which needs to get a lot of emphasis use this as an opportunity don't just feel that this is altering your life in too many significant ways and it's going to be all bad there is a lot of good that can come out of this and that is something that i feel we all need to look at uh, from our perspectives right and the parting words what is the kind of impact you would want to have on the mind of readers through the book so it's not about the impact that 
a writer or an author would want from the vantage point of where i have written i let kamna speak for herself here mm. it's about what one has seen mm. what one has felt where one feels that we can do some good and a book is a is a very interesting uh object a tool of learning mm. different people who will read the same book will learn something different different people who will read the same page will also learn something different because we relate to the written text based on the zone of life and our experiences that are there so for me the fact is that i have written something that i feel is important especially for the youth young adults now what they can get out of it that's up to the individual and this cycle goes on and i feel that for every individual who's going to be looking at this book it's about developing an understanding more than anything else it's about being able to see and understand what do they really desire for their own selves and to be able to take stock and move towards their own goals in a way which is more meaningful for them and to not be a part of the rat race which for many has been a reality for long i think that's what's most important and what is most essential to what we're trying to communicate here is that we need to find ways to build stronger bonds bonds which are going to last a lifetime which are truly supportive and that is something which is achievable one of the key takeaways for me has been that when you share on social media are you informing or are you sharing which means that are you looking for a social status when you're doing that on social media or is it something deeper a deeper connect that you're looking for because that's going to make a hell lot of difference try and have a specific time for social media don't just keep hanging on it all the time don't get a sensory overload Don't forget to follow us on the Instagram handle there so a show pod and you can find me on LinkedIn.